Hi, this is Tony Agnesi, and welcome to this edition of The Storytellers. Each week on the program, we feature an inspirational guest, and we're going to discuss their personal faith journeys and ministries that they share as authors and speakers and bloggers, radio and television hosts, and yes, even priests. And <laughs> my guest today is Father Bill Byrne. Uh, he is the author of a brand new book, called Five Things with Father Bill, Hope, Humor, and Help from the, uh, for, uh, from the Soul. It's published by Loyola Press. Father Byrne is a native of Washington, D.C., and is currently the pastor of Our Lady of Mercy Parish in Potomac, Washington. And I have to admit, Father Bill, straight out that uh, I'm a fan of your YouTube uh, uh, Five Things uh, and have been for a long time. Thank you very much. They're tons of fun to make. You know, I I, um, I, I want to find out a little bit about your background because I'm so fascinated in the fact that, uh, uh, you know, priests and, and how they go about their formation. Could you share a little bit of your personal journey with us? Absolutely. So I grew up in suburban uh, Washington and I was, I'm the youngest of eight kids. My parents are both, uh, my father's deceased now, but both faithful Catholics, daily communicants and but joyful, joyful people. They were not your dour Catholics. Um, they were, they uh, exuded joy and all they did. So I went to Catholic high school around here, a place called Georgetown Prep. And then I went to uh, college, Jesuit college in Massachusetts called Holy Cross, College of the Holy Cross. And after that, I was thinking about a, my vocation and I told my parents and I said, I'm, I'm thinking about being a priest and my father had a older brother who was a priest in the Archdiocese of New York and my father was very moved and excited and my mom was a little more skeptical and she said you know I would love to have a son who's a priest I'd hate to have one who used to be a priest <laughs> so she said uh, why don't you take your time and and do something that you've never really done before and and so I was sort of picturing myself sailing across the Atlantic or you know, learning uh, spelunking or something like that. And I said, like, what, mom? And she said, get a job. <laughs> <laughs> so I taught school at a little boys' school, uh, Catholic boys' school that I had gone to for three years and then applied um, to the Archdiocese of Washington. And, um, and it was there that Cardinal Hickey sent me to study in Rome at the North American College for five years. So I did that, and then I had various assignments, um, eight of which were chaplain at the University of Maryland. Uh, eight were on Capitol Hill. So the House of Representatives sat in my parish. Um, and while I was there, I started doing monthly dinners for Catholic members of Congress. Uh, invite them over for a home-cooked meal because they have these horrible logs. They sleep on air mattresses in their offices. No wonder everything's all messed up because I don't think they're sleeping enough. <laughs> uh, and, then, um, and then after that, I was also head of pastoral ministry for Cardinal World in the Archdiocese of Washington for six and a half years while I was pastor. And then six years ago, I was sent, or five and change, out to uh, Potomac, Maryland, where I'm the pastor of a big, bustling, happy suburban parish. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the approach to evangelization as Catholics has always fascinated me. I, 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 I think we're very good at catechesis and not very good at evangelization. A lot of Catholics 
are speaking to the choir most of the time. And you've been able to kind of, and I don't want to use the term dumb it down, but you've been able to meet people where they're at. How did you come about uh, deciding that, you know, I'm going to take, uh, take that type of an approach? Well, being a university chaplain is, is, um, is a great learning process in doing that. Because in, in many instances, you, it's like Paul stepping off the boat into Corinth. And, you know, they, they don't never, never heard the gospel. And they, they're often, they were often the children of lapsed Catholics, the grandchildren of practicing Catholics, which is an interesting. So they had a Catholic-ish culture, Christmas thing. So that was one thing. But another thing I think I, is sort of a, a philosophy I have about faith experience. You remember Gary Marshall, the guy who directed Happy Days Happy and Days, Laverne yeah. and Shirley and stuff? Well, they once asked him about his TV shows. And he said, why were his TV shows like they were? And he said, because I wanted my shows to be recess, not school. And, 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 it, and that always has struck me because recess, the studies all show if you, if kids don't get out and get fresh air in their lungs, if they don't run around and if they, if they don't play, then they don't learn. And so I thought our faith experience should be recess. Not that it's trivial, but that it's the refreshing essential part of who we are. Life is work. Let, let, church and our experience of God and our soul be play where we gather and are renewed with the very source of life itself Jesus Christ I mean what could be could be more fabulous than the one whose burden is light and his yoke is easy you know we have uh, uh, research recent research uh, Pew and Barna that tells us that just slightly over half of people under the age of 30 when asked their religious affiliations say none and you have those you know those cultural catholics you know they're catholic only because grandma and grandpa were catholic or they're catholic uh a c and e catholics you know christmas and easter or uh, matchem hatchem dispatchem catholics you know they go to baptisms funerals and weddings well how do how do we reach them well i i uh for nine years i taught how to give homilies at the north american college so I would go over and do a workshop every fall with the third year students there. And one of the key things we worked on was how to preach a wedding homily and how to preach a funeral homily. Mm -hmm. And um, because that hatch, that, that um, matchem stage is where they are often gonna come back because they would like to come and be in some sort of more traditional, beautiful setting. And they want to have maybe the priest that knew them. And so how do we, I taught them how to use the people's stories, but most importantly, to become, have a relationship with the couple so that the people sitting there in the pews, their peers, their millennial peers are, are experiencing their friends getting married, being loved, being known, being uh, cherished in their own story. And, and so the process, you know, you often can get, you can land a lot of fish in a marriage prep class. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have, we, that's been my experience. That's one of the key spots of evangelization. Uh, and also a funeral, you know, when you have a tragic young funeral, 
uh, or any funeral, it's an opportunity to speak to people. Um, so you're not necessarily just preaching a message, you're preaching an experience to them. And that is, that's joyful, hopeful, um, and loving. And, and with the idea that, that, that maybe they'll come back after mm -hmm. they've had that experience. I had two calls this week where people attended weddings that I had done of their friends, and they asked if I would do their weddings. And I said, that, that's, that's, that's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful stuff. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think um, uh, in terms of meeting people where they are, you know, we, we sometimes, um, uh, you know, I, I always, I hearken it to like a football game, you know, I know you're a sports fan too, but you have referees and coaches and players, you know, and the referees know all the rules. They've got them all down, you know, uh, uh, illegal procedure, you didn't fast uh, only 23 minutes before communion, 15-yard <laughs> penalty. Well, and then you've got the teachers, you know, you've got the coaches who are uh, coaching and doing, and then you've got guys like me who are just players out there, just trying to make it go and uh, trying to be a good Catholic uh, amongst all of the stuff that happens on a day-to-day -day basis. And you've got a, a very unique ability to cut through to that, that person. Uh, I, I think that's really, uh, really a gift. And uh, I think you do too. I think that's, that is a, a special thing that I, I honor and admire about what you do in your ministry. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this great book. It 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 did come as a result of all of the of the wonderful feedback you got from the uh, from the YouTube videos, correct? No, they they the, the it predated the YouTube. Oh, it predated. Okay. So it started as a series of articles in our Catholic paper okay. uh, that I wrote over time, and uh, and then compiled. And from those, the archdiocese um, and myself uh, worked together to to put those videos together. Mm -hmm. A guy named Christopher Baker was working at the Archdiocese and he was sort of the, added a lot of that fun graphics and things like that. How did you come about, uh, every now and then when I speak, I'll speak, you know, here's three things you should do or five things you should do. And people say, well, how did you come about getting to the number five? How did you? I mean, I, I said in the intro of the book, was it one of those things when I was, People ask you, what's your favorite number? And I was always like, five. <laughs> so it was, there was not a great deal of theological input. I also like the fact that you could have five, you could count things on one hand while still holding somebody else's hand uh, or helping them up or handing something to them. So, uh, and I think it's sort of a, you can remember things in that list, anything over that, and we start getting a little uh, fuzzy. But those were, those were the reasons, five, yeah. Explain to our, our viewers and listeners kind of the format of your book, uh, how, it, how it follows along. So it's basically um, how to, the, 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 it's observations on everyday life and then extractions from that. So like, for example, one of them would be five things I learned from my dog. And, um, and I learned, you know, my dog, if I'm, if I'm late, my dog is not passive aggressive. My dog does not slam doors. My dog is delighted to see me. And though that teaches me about forgiveness, that we could spend a lot of time being uh, held to a grudge, or we could move to forgiveness. Mm. Uh, examples like that are, um, I like to I walk my dog, and so I'll say the rosary, but that's like, what, 15 minutes? Uh, and so I usually end up continuing doing it, but making up my own mystery. So I have five delightful mysteries of the thing. I have... Um, 
examples of what it's like to poor Mary and Joseph and Mary being pregnant on the way to, to Bethlehem. And so sort of the way of, of, of experiencing God in everyday life. Mm. And these, uh, the, these um, thought starters or writing starters come to you how? Just as you're praying or just? Well, you know? yeah, I do. I always do a, a prayer to the Holy Spirit whenever I am doing a speech or, or whatever. And a lot of times they'll also come from people who will make an observation about something. And then I'll say, oh, that's a good idea. I can get four more things out of that or five more things. Mm -hmm. So the, but I'm, I just was over teaching our eighth graders. And I was trying to show them how to see God winks, you know, to trust these little things. If you think about somebody you haven't thought about, give them a call because the odds are they need to hear from you or um, all the different uh, things. I know there were so many with Therese of Lisieux on her feast day that we're recording this on the feast day. Um, and, and so uh, just beginning to start seeing God in, in so many things and then realizing how that's not just leading you to to look at your dog, but to look at confession, to look at the Eucharist. You know, these things are always pointing us towards truth and uh, the sacraments and the life of the church. Mm -hmm. The, uh, you know, the nudges and bumps that we get, the, the God winks and so forth. Uh, uh, years ago, I began praying a little prayer right after I received the Eucharist at daily mass. And it's, Lord, make me an instrument. Put somebody in my path today. Right. That I that you can help through me, and I'll just keep the antenna up, and I'll wait for the uh, Holy Spirit or my guardian angel to give me a nudge. And the interesting thing about that is it works about one hundred percent of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, that there's always somebody that even if it's just a smile or a kind word or something, but there's always these opportunities. And you mentioned one of them, and that's. Uh, you know, uh, you get the nudge to call someone and most people, you know what they do? They ignore it, you know, but, right. you know, generally speaking, the first thing that person says when you call them is, gosh, I was just thinking about you. I, I was, I, it's, a, it's another 100% of the time thing, it seems like. Mm -hmm. It's it's uh, your guardian angel getting in touch with my guardian angel and saying, hey, yeah, might as well give Father Bill a call. I do that all the time. I pray tomorrow's the, uh, uh, we celebrate the guardian angels in the, um, but if I can't reach somebody, I, I, I send my guardian over, angel over to talk to theirs, and, um, and it works. It, it really does. I'll share a guardian angel story with you. I was driving uh, to, a, to a client, and I'm on some highway in Michigan, and a semi-truck slid in and drove me off the road, and I hit some gravel, and my car spun about four times and ended up in the center median going in the wrong direction. Uh, no damage, completely unharmed. And while it was happening, Father Bill, I, I kind of felt like I wasn't driving. I kind of felt like maybe my guardian angel had taken the wheel and avoided all of the other cars and so forth. And when we came to a stop, I said to myself, you'd have to be Mario Andretti right. to, to have avoided any kind of an accident. And from that day forward, I call my guardian angel Mario. But, uh, you know, I know you're, you shouldn't name your guardian angel, but I have. It's Mario. Oh, yeah. But, of course, yours would be Italian. So. Oh, of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> and then I often wondered if I ever made it to heaven and I, I saw my guardian angel and I went up to him and gave him a great big hug and I'd, and I'd go, Mario. And he'd go, uh, that's not my name. It's Dale <laughs> Jr. <laughs> 
So yeah, guardian angels are are you know an important part of all of our lives, and and but we have to be. Um, how would you? You know, I always talk about putting up the antenna. We have to be conscious of the fact that right. they're with us. And you know how you have to do that. You do that by doing a, a concentrated period of prayer, because if you don't, I do a holy hour every morning, and I usually, I, if I don't get it in first thing, so I have to, if I'm going to be there to greet the kids when they come in at school in the morning, if I'm not. I have to get up at five or so to make sure that I get it in. But what that does is it keeps the radar. It makes the radar so much stronger so that when, when you see a blip on the screen, it, you, you sense it, right? Much, much, uh, much more quickly, I think, um, by having that sort of maybe toned up soul. And I'm not, I'm still, I've got a pretty flabby soul, but I'm still working on it, you know, every day. Yeah, we all are. We all are. Um, you know, what do you say to somebody? I, you know, I, I know you in some of your your uh, some of your reflections, those people who have difficulty with prayer. You talk about an extended period of prayer, and a lot of times people will come up to me after I give a talk somewhere, and they'll say, uh, "Tony, I just don't have time to pray. Mm. I got so much going on. I don't have." What would you say to someone like that? Well, whenever I hear that, I'm saying you you if you gave it 15 minutes, I guarantee you you're not going to find yourself with 15 less minutes at the end of the day, mm. but you're going to probably work. It's just like I said, recess. If you don't get out there and breathe some fresh air, then when it's math class, you're not hearing the numbers. And so <clears throat> if we can have that experience, you know, I feel like when I sit down to pray, it's sort of like I'm sitting into a hot tub after being in a cold day, you know, it's, it's sort of like, ah, and, and, and having that peace, just a little bit of quiet in the day filled with noise. It's just, I find it so restorative. So I, I, I always encourage people, do it for Len. Give it, give it a, do an Advent thing. Give it yourself uh, that period of time because what it is, it's like exercise. The first time you do it, you know, you're, back, you're holding your back and you're huffing and puffing. And a couple of weeks later, you're feeling good and wanting to do it. And, um, so that's what I'm like. Give it a little shot and keep at it every day. Now you're uh, obviously uh, you're you're known on social media, and social media can be a a blessing. We we you know I learned so much from social media. It can also it can also be such a time waster that you say I don't have that 15 minutes, but you really do. You don't you know that one extra time you check your email or. Right. Uh, that one extra time you 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 look it on your Facebook page and make sure you have so many likes. How do you balance this social media phenomena? How do you tell people to deal with it? Well, I tell you, I I have I have enough outlets as it is right now, and you know where I've got email, phone calls, cell phone calls, <clears throat> and texting that I am I'm not. I have a, a one of our our youth ministers who does the parish stuff and helps get out stuff whether about the book or whatever um but i uh except for a few things that i really love like your show there's a that i i tend to um i tend to free up my time like i also don't have cable tv um and so i don't i don't have any of that temptation Those and i saved the parish twelve hundred dollars a year so that my, helps. News, my news I can get on my computer when I want to skin the headlines. 
I was uh, I was uh, looking at you know through your uh, book I I, I was uh, able to get a galley of it which I enjoyed and and uh, uh, you you're a dog lover huh I and do. a baseball lover a dog I lover got it all here. my dog is somewhere around the room right now Zelly and and Zelly and Zelly uh, supposedly is your inspiration or at least she thinks so she does she takes credit but she is um, she's my evangelization machine. I walk through the school. I'll be walking through the my my little town on a walk, and a you know an SUV will go flying by, and all I hear will be a, a like a five year old voice saying, "Hi, Zelly," you know. So it's she's this <laughs> she's this magnet for um, for for families and people who come up and say, "Can I hold her during mass?" <laughs> That's great. So it, she's a she's a I mean, she's a love of a dog. So. I, I saw a I saw a little thing that said, um, and it reminded me of one of your one of your uh, uh, videos that you might share. It was it was about thought bubbles. About you know you're sitting in church, and there's a, you know 500 people sitting there, and you often wonder what's going on in the you know in the bubble. And uh, this this little thing said, religion is a man sitting in church thinking about fishing, and a relationship is. A man who's fishing, thinking about Jesus. So you, you, you have both of those things going on. Talk a little bit about some of the things. You're up there saying, Mass, you've got to look out over a group of people and wonder what those people, what's going through their minds. Well, especially now with the masks, you know, I, because before you could see smiles, you could see this or that. Now, even if they're smiling, all you see is this sort of blank eyes. So it's, um, it's especially in order if you say something that's that they would laugh at and you can barely whereas before you could hear it was much more interactive mm -hmm. um, and people at daily mass are spread all across the church so it's uh, um, the key I think is you got to be tight in your preaching because people people you need to grab them for that moment before they start to glaze or they get stressed about their work or their radiator or their dry cleaning or whatever it is. Mm. And so if you can, if you can, I would say the best preaching is shooting one bullet, not a machine gun all over the place. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I aim for is to try and, um, is to try and get them boom right there. You know, just shooting that one dart, that one thought, you know, right. uh, at each time. And, you know, that's what you do with your uh, with your videos online. You know, we uh, I, I like to call them snackable uh, videos. You, <laughs> you know, they're not they're not a whole meal. No, but you can uh, go in there. You can go in there and have a snack. And what, what usually happens with me, you watch one and then what do you do? You watch another and then you watch another and you end up making a meal out of out of the uh, appetizers. So, <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm always on a diet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too, me too, me too. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about the book. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that people say about my books, because I write short stories as well, a guy came up to me after a talk, and I'm, I'm going to wonder if this has either happened to you or going to happen to you. And he said to me, Tony, your book is a great bathroom book. <laughs> I can read one story. I just keep it there, read one story. And um, it might take a while. I think you have 50 some in the book. So it may take right. a while to finish, but um, one per trip. And I took it as a compliment. Exactly. And, and my book, 
you can open it up anywhere. It's not a sequential. It's a whole bunch of series of, of these, these five things on all different things. So you could say, oh, you know, five ways to get ready for Christmas. Oh, I'll read that. Or mm -hmm. five gifts for your priest. That's what I... Uh, Is that a good, that's a, that's a good one. I think I saw that there. I don't remember, I don't remember that. What are five good gifts for a priest? Well, well, the one thing is I was like, I said, don't bring me any baked goods. Don't bring me, and I got some pushback from priests when I wrote that. Because they're like, I need, not, he, some of us are skinny. And I said, listen, I, uh, and so I said, and then I just talked about eventually obvious prayer. And I said, make sure you Tell them, Father, that was the best homily I ever heard. <laughs> Flattery, even if it's fake, will take. <laughs> we uh, we we had some uh, friends, uh, my, uh, my brother-in-law, who has uh, since passed away, but we they visited us and we took them to Mass two weeks in a row. And the first week, the deacon said the homily. And the second week, uh, the priest said the homily, and at the end of Mass, uh, the priest was standing at the door, and he went out and said, Father, what a great homily you gave, and so forth, and just went on and on about his great homily. Well, the next week from, from the pulpit, he said, I must be really good, because uh, I didn't even give the homily last week, <laughs> and I had a compliment uh, about the homily. So you want to make sure you listen to the homily first before, yeah, you, before, you, <laughs> before you compliment. Well, the book is just a joy, and I've, I've, I've had some time, uh, you know, to spend some time with it, and I really wish you the best of luck with it. I, I just love how you communicate and, and really, uh, you know, bring things together in a way that, you know, that even a 1.9 GPA college student <laughs> can understand. And I think that's, uh, you know, when I read some of the comments in your blog, Father, I read things like, uh, boy, I, I might consider going back to church after listening here. Oh, I, I bet you he gives a good sermon on Sunday and those types of compliments. And I'd like to share those with you because I really feel very strongly thank about you. that. And thank you well, so much uh, for being with us. This has been a quick half hour. Thank you for having me. And I hope it's a great Christmas gift for you to give to your friends who are maybe laughed because it's fun and funny and maybe it'll spark without having to say something yourself to those people. The book is entitled Five Things with Father Bill, Hope, Humor, and Help uh, from the Soul, Father William Byrne. It's published by Loyola Press, and it will be available just about everywhere books are sold. And that's our show for today. My thanks to Father Bill for being with us. Uh, the program airs on Wednesday evenings at 6 p.m. in a premiere, and it's on the Fiat Ministry Network and on Patchwork Heart Ministries. And you can get it on my YouTube page at youtube.com slash Tony Agnesi. The radio program is produced by the Living Bread Radio Network, and you can check with your local Living Bread radio station for the time and day uh, of the programming area. Airing the radio broadcast is also on the storytellersradio.com. Breadbox Media, the Catholic podcasting site, and is available at all your favorite podcasting locations. This is Tony Agnesi. We'll see you next week with another episode of The Storytellers. God bless.